We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ivy Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are live here on a Monday, which means it's time for some Notre Dame football mailbag. Previously, the Friday free-for-all mailbag. Getting you guys kicked off, coming off of a bye week. Notre Dame has a very interesting matchup on Saturday against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, which we will be able to break down for you all throughout the entirety of the week. We'll talk about who Wake Forest is, some of their key players, what Notre Dame needs to do well in order to get a big victory. So make sure you tap into the rest of the shows throughout the week. We're also coming to you live on a Monday, which means, of course, that we're coming off of Marcus Freeman having his press conference for the week. So I know there's a couple things in there that you all want to talk about from the transfer portal and some injury news and anything in between. But I am here, Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here at Irish Breakdown, joined by my guy, Brian Driscoll, publisher here at Irish Breakdown. Brian, it's great to have you back, man. I know you've been fighting a little bit of stuff lately, man, Dude. but good to have you back on the show, brother. It has been a rough week. So for those who don't know, uh, last week was one of the roughest weeks I've had in a long time. So I got the I got the flu, and it's the it was, I haven't gotten the flu this bad since 2014, coming over from the Music City Bowl. And to make matters worse, last weekend we had a big flood. Guy had come over and done some uh, had done some. Um, allegedly had done repairs on our washer and whatever he did made it worse. And so Saturday night I'm sitting there about 12 o'clock, 1230 in the hotel room in Clemson, South Carolina. And I get a panic phone call from my wife. Who's usually in bed hours before then. And thank goodness she wasn't actually in bed that night. And so apparently whatever he had done, water kept filling into the washer unbeknownst. And it got to the point where just it ruptured. And so just water everywhere, leaking down below, caused a ton of damage. So while I'm battling the worst flu I've had in almost a decade, we've got people at our house doing all this work. There, There's a ton of damage in the walls. They're going to have to remodel a bunch of different things and repair a bunch of different things. It's going to be very expensive. As of right now, the the understanding is our, our insurance company is going to cover, you know, cover it, but still it's, our deductible is not exactly cheap. And uh, so it's just, I'm trying to get uh, not 
being sick and then I'm having to deal with drills and walls coming down and just, you know, carpet getting ripped up and flooring getting ripped up and just deal with all that mess. And it's just like, um, just one giant headache after another. And, uh, it, and so then there's dehumidifier, there's dehumidifiers in our house that are like sucking all the air out of the walls. Well, one of the things when you've got the flu, they tell you is keep your, your house, you know, keep moisture in your house. You know what I mean? Then I'm like, can't, you know what I mean? I'm like, he's got these Dude, giant bubble, industrial yeah. grade, you know, dehumidifiers sucking everything out. So it's just been a rough week, but, uh, but we're back at it and, uh, I'm ready to rock and roll, man. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a busy, it's been a crazy week. And of course, coach Freeman today had a lot to talk about. Uh, Rocco Spindler is going to be out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, yeah. Pat, uh, uh, Zeke Carell is in concussion protocol. So, you know, his, his status for this weekend is questionable. And then uh, Jaden Thomas is still dealing with hamstring injuries, which is a, a crazy that it's been this long that he's just been basically out. Not a knock on Jaden, but clearly there's something. They either rushed him back or something's going on because he shouldn't be out this long. And they keep trying to bring him back and he can't really play. And it's just, it's been a train wreck. So yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot going on in Notre Dame. But, uh, you know, we're going to get to see Billy Shrout this weekend, right? So he's going to get a chance sure. to get a couple, a little, two to three games under his belt and, see what he can do, you know, get that yep. much needed experience as we kind of head in the off season. And hopefully he can have a shot to, to, to win a job this spring because guard play is going to have to get a lot, a lot better next season, Ryan. And I always feel bad for people that get injured, obviously, because it's the worst. I mean, I've been through my fair share of shoulder injuries in the linebacker, right? And it stinks. And I don't wish injuries upon anyone, but I am, a little excited to see Billy Shrouth. I mean, the, the positive, I guess, is that the the blessing in disguise is that you get to see Billy. And also, you know, hopefully Zeke's able to go. But if not, I'm also excited to see Ashton Craig. I, I liked what I saw from Ashton Craig in limited opportunities against Clemson. I would be kind of interested just to see how they fare, obviously, with a full week of practice in their position and not just kind of have to shuffle in. So Notre Dame will be okay, guys. Notre Dame will be okay. Have all the confidence in Billy Shrout. Have all the confidence in Ashton Craig if Zeke Carell is not able to go. But obviously that is going to be a, a story to follow because a lot of shuffling. And I think the, the worst part of it is Anytime you're down a couple offensive linemen, that means that your depth is now going to start being tested right. down the stretch of the season. Right. But a couple of the depth players that are going to play for Notre Dame, I'm, I'm very excited to see play right. for sure. Yeah, assuming they actually put those guys in there and don't just like, you know, put Quinn Murphy and, you know, Andrew Gustafic is now the backup at all five positions, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't even know where his yeah. help. We didn't, I don't think it was talked about today. You know, but he he had to come off the field against Clemson last week and, like, and got like rolled an ankle up on. injury last week. Yeah, it looked and, like he got yeah. rolled up on a little bit. So, but uh, we're Ryan. Lots of questions already lined up today, man. Are you ready to ready to rock and roll? Let's get it, get man. This, this Let's going? get it for the okay. for the people that have not been with us before. MB or the word mailbag before the question. Get them in the chat. We'll answer as many as you want. This is your guys' show to lead the conversation today. Ready to go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame has just two games left in the regular season, and this weekend is the home finale against Wake Forest. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to either game or to your favorite concert or comedy club, Game Time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's gametime.co. First question from A Bent ND. Any update on strength coach? What can Notre Dame do between now and next season to get you feeling better long term about Coach Freeman's chances to last? Well, I mean, first of all, Ryan, I'm not even remotely in the conversation of what's he got to do to last, right? I mean, this season has been a disappointment, but I feel like some of the overreactions to it are just that exactly that overreactions yeah. like you know questioning marcus freeman like if if we're still seeing some of these same coaching issues in year three sure that's fine you know but but these situations are are always tough and he's still going to have a much better record than brian kelly i mean you have to literally have to lose out the next three games to have the same record brian kelly had his first two years in notre dame and i understand the situations are different oh he inherited a better team okay he inherited a healthier program but let's go back and revisit the rosters that Brian Kelly inherited at Notre Dame in 2010. Okay, let's like you know what I mean. And and I think the 2011 that, team that, had that like 19 not, NFL players in the rotation that year. Brian, that does not that does not fit a narrative. I don't know what you're. I know about, it doesn't. So it doesn't. I know fit it anyone's doesn't. Narrative. <laughs> but the point is, is like, look, I have questions about Coach Freeman's ability to win a championship. That's the question. Like, hey Ben, if that's would have been your question, I'd have been cool with it. Like, like, listen. Where, where, you know, what, what do I need to see between now and next season to make me feel better about Marcus Freeman's ability to win a championship at Notre Dame? That's a very fair question. Very fair. And, and, and that would be a productive conversation, you know, being willing to make changes and and changes aren't always firing people. Changes are sometimes getting the people you have to do better. 
right? I or, mean, that's that should be part of this. Shift like every person shift. in this chat and everybody doing this show has had periods of their job where they did do a good job. And thank goodness that our boss has sat down with us and said, hey, you got to do better and didn't just fire us as quickly as fans want coaches to be fired. Because apparently if you make a certain amount of money, you're no longer a human being and your family no longer matters. We don't care about them anymore. So just fire everyone. Um, the question is, can he, this, the things that need to be done are about winning a championship. I mean, Marcus Freeman went nine and four last year. I fully expect him to go no worse than nine and four this year. That's not good enough, but that's not like, should we fire the guy terms yet? Right. right? Like let, let's get yeah. serious for a second. And, and, um, you're, you're just, you're not going to do that. So Notre Dame's got to do better and nothing that doesn't explain or justify anything that we've seen, nothing that we've seen, but it's kind of like when, when people go to reactions like this and, and, and a bent you're, you know, what's been going on right here with a bent right now, he's catching heat for, it's not even him or, or her or him. It's, it's, it's kind of triggered me with all the other stuff that I keep seeing on social media of the people that just have like no problem calling for people to be fired all the time. And, sure. you know, a coach isn't even done with his second year at Notre Dame. And we're, you know, talking about, oh, he's, he's not going to be the guy. And I'm like, guys, I could give you a long list of coaches that through their first couple of years, you know, we're, we're not, if they, if Notre Dame finishes nine and three or 10 and three, Marcus Freeman will basically have the same, almost the same exact record that Kirby Smart had his first two years at Georgia. He'll have the same number of losses, but he'll have like one or two less wins because Kirby had an SEC championship game in there, right? And, and you know, Kirby's next two years were kind of disappointing until he finally made the changes necessary, right? Coach Freeman's got to make changes. But this notion that just like not even fully through two years and we're talking about firing him, like you force me into now defending him when I'd rather be critical of him because we've turned it from, is he the guy to win a championship, which is very fair game, to should he be fired? Or what does he got to do to not get fired? And it's like, that's not a rational conversation right now. The championship one, very fair. And if that's the conversation, there's a lot more things we can talk about, Ryan, because uh, this year was disappointing. There's, there's no spinning that. There isn't. I'm not going to try to spin it. No one at Irish Breakdown better try to spin away this season into somehow it's a success. Can it be a step forward? Sure, it can be a step forward, but it's at best going to be a baby step, right? And that's yeah. that's disappointing. That's frustrating. But we're not going to start having conversations about should he be fired or you know can he last? Like we're we're way jumping the gun on that, right? We're way jumping the gun now. If there are changes that don't get made, Ryan, could we then be having a conversation about? Maybe he's not the guy to take him to that next level. That's a much sure. more fair thing to ask. I do think it's a big off season to your question though, Aben, because I will say this is that while it will not be a success as far as what the standards are at Notre Dame, it can be a moment of clarity and change that needed that is needed to propel the program to the next level. So this could be a, I think this could be a big season and a big learning opportunity for coach Freeman, who again is, only in his second year as a head coach on the college level. So I think there's a lot that could be gained from this season, a lot that could be gained from the ending of the season and into the offseason. So there are some things that you can, I think, build off of. You're not going to build off of a great win-loss record this year. You're not going to build off of the goals that you had set as far as competing for a championship. But you can potentially build off the fact that you know what will, what is working and what is not working at the University of Notre Dame and the changes that need to ensue after that. 
to the first part of the question, we've talked about this, Brian, but the strength coach conversation, that's going to be an off-season conversation, right? They're not making a change in you know with only two regular season games left in the season. There's not going to be a lot of movement, not a lot of names thrown out there, obviously, as of now. That's going to be an understanding that we gain this offseason with what the strength staff is going to look like moving forward at Notre Dame. Absolutely. Um, I will say this. You definitely realize this year how much they miss Matt Bayless and how important he was to the program. Because Notre Dame was a team that in November in recent seasons was at its best physically, health-wise, and this team has definitely not been that coming down the stretch, you know, in my opinion. So we'll see, but it's, it's, it's going to be the bit, that's going to be the most important decision he makes this off season is who he hires to replace the strength coach. I truly believe more important than whatever he does at offensive coordinator. If, if, if Al golden leaves who, what he does at I, I wholeheartedly believe that Ryan, I think there, that is the most important high individual hire that any head coach makes, especially a place like Notre Dame is your strength coach. I, I think it's that important of a job because we never we never talk about it when it's good, but when it's not good, you definitely notice it. You definitely notice it. We had Tyler Evans with a super chat. Tyler, thank you so much. I know we had a bunch of questions about Jimbo Fisher in this mm-hmm. chat and the uh, mailbag, I believe. Jimbo Fisher out at Texas A&M. And Tyler, thank you so much for the super chat. With 76.8 million buyout, who do you think will take that job and does that benefit Notre Dame when we play the next year? I wish someone would pay me $76 million to not do a good job. That would be I fantastic. can promise you, Ryan, that I'm not going to be paying you that much money to not work for the next few years. Um, uh, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm shocked that they did it. And I'm especially shocked at the timing of it. Like that was yeah. weird. Fans like, and donors did not think it would happen this quickly. There's a, like a little right. bit of an out moving forward, I think, after this season or into the next offseason that they thought was a more realistic timing for this to happen. Yeah. It's pretty shocking to me that the donors and everybody involved, the, the school, ate 70, nearly $77 yeah. million. That's pretty yeah. wild to me. I did not expect that and, to happen. And didn't even give them a chance to see how they finish. I, I, you know, I mean, like like AM actually, Ryan, in my opinion, if you look at like they've lost, they had lost three or four going into the weekend, right? But they played Alabama tough. They played yeah. Tennessee tough. They played Ole Miss tough. And they smacked South Carolina and smacked Mississippi State, right? They're six and four. They got a game against Abilene Christian coming up. That would have made them seven and four. And then give them a shot to see if you can go beat LSU on the road. You know, and then get to eight and four, and all of a sudden you feel good. Like I feel like that's a, if you know, you if you're able to upset LSU, then you've lost road games to Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Miami, and in a home game against Alabama. But then you've had some good wins, you know, and didn't even give them that chance to 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 win that game. You know what I mean? Like, well, and you did it after they had just beaten Mississippi State fifty-one to ten. Well, that, that decision was weird. probably that that decision was probably made on the Thursday before after the. Ole I get Miss that, game, right? right? I like, get that, <laughs> but it's kind of like, what's the advantage you get by doing it now? I guess that's kind of right. my thing is because, I, like, to me, here's what here's where I come from on it, right? You can do some work behind the scenes to see who's interested or not before you fire a coach, and and let's say they already kind of know who that's going to be. Let's say hypothetically to answer the first question. Let's just say because this is going to be the 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 name du jour, right? Uh, is is one or at least one of them. It's going to be Mike Elko. Hold on, we got to get this chair fixed. 
It's going to be Mike Elko. They messed up my whole chair. Like they were doing stuff down here, messed up my chair. Let's say it's Mike Elko, hypothetically. And he's already told them, yeah, I'll, I'll take the job. You know, I'd love to take the job. If Jimbo's not there, I'd love to talk with you about it. And I, you know, I'd love to take the job. Let's just say that's what they're going to do. Well, now that these, these kids have a 30-day window to enter the portal, you've now basically given them like a three-week head start on these kids going to the portal as opposed to waiting until the end of the year, unless there's some kind of you know contractual term where if they don't do it by now, then they owe them something. I don't know that I don't know about, which I haven't heard. My whole thing is when you make this move, make the move quick. So that way the new head coach has a chance to kind of get in and be like, hey, don't jump in the portal. A lot of these kids are going to know Mike Elko, for example, especially the veterans are going to know Mike Elko. And then just have a less of a time in between the firing and the other thing. It just doesn't make any sense to me to do it right now. I just, I don't know. I don't understand that. Like, I just, I just, it's, it's just seems like a typical Texas A&M move where you're just, you know, you're, you're just, there's just like not a lot of thinking to it in my opinion. And I know there's justifications for it and I don't, I don't even have a problem with them making the move. I mean, I don't ever enjoy someone being fired, but Jimbo has been a major disappointment for the amount of money they've paid him. I mean, he just has, they're paying him money to be basically what, what Alabama's doing. You know what I mean? And, and it's not even close to that. I mean, other than the COVID year, they've been a mediocre program every other year. And so I, I understand the move, but it just the timing of it doesn't seem to to make a lot of sense to me. I think the timing says to me that everyone was just tired of Jimbo being in the room and they didn't want to stay and stay with him for any other day. Right. <laughs> like they're just like, I get all, right, all get that. Here, man. <laughs> I get all that's, that. But just like the move says to me, suck it up for two more weeks. So there's, you know, cause again, it's like these kids, the, the rule is when your coach gets fired, the kids have a immediately, they can immediately jump into the portal, 30 day window to jump into the portal. Yep. And that's my whole thing is Ryan is like, just delay that for a couple weeks. So there's a little sure. bit more time for the new coach to get hired and, you know, and do all that. Yeah. So I just, it's just a, feels it's like, a typical move. feels like there's gotta be something else behind the scenes. Maybe there's has to be something be. else to leak out. Maybe there's, you, you know, we, we always think that. Stuff. And then we find out, no, they're just stupid. I mean, it's like, we always kind of think like, yeah. there's gotta be more to it than that. Right. I, you know, maybe they're playing 4d chess and so I'm like, no, they're not it's just dumb. Uh, but, yeah. but this this move was inevitable at some point. Like I think sure. for a sure. couple years we were like, this is going to happen yeah. at some point. I agree the timing well, is a little bit off. It's a little bit strange, but it would have already happened happen. last year if it if it wasn't for the bot huge buyout. Like, yeah, like it would have already had the only reason he's been here this long is because of the buyout. That that's the only reason. Yeah. The only reason that they're they, he's been there that long. And, and two two names that uh, one that's already been surfaced, Brian hit on already. Mike Elko would make a lot of sense. I mean, he now has head coaching experience and he's familiar with the Texas A&M program, and he's a good person. He did a really too, good job. Which I there. think, yeah, yeah, and he's a he's a very good person. Which I think, all due respect to Jimbo, I've heard a lot of negatives about him from a personal perspective. So I think getting a, a guy that's genuinely guy. a good guy would be also a great move for the program. Yeah. Another guy that I actually heard that would be the complete opposite, kind of an arrogant person, but someone said Lane Kiffin would be an interesting fit. And I actually think that would be a very interesting fit. I would kind of like yeah. that because I think he's kind of maxed out at Ole Miss. I'm kind of, I would like to see him with some of the talent that Texas A&M has offensively and see what he can yeah. do with it. I don't know. I kind of like that. I, I, I'm I'm still, I'm still not sure just how good A&M can be. Um, I've been hearing my whole life how, you know, oh, it's a, it's a great job. I'm like, well, how come nobody great ever takes it then? You know, it's just like, it is what it is. I get all that, but like, 
there's a lot of oil money at the other school in the state too. You know what I mean? Sure. And so it's just like, I don't know. I just, it's, it's just, I, I've been hearing this my whole life about how A&M's this great job and, and you can win there. And I'm like, well, then why does nobody ever win there? You know? So, but um, the other thing too, Ryan, is how it affects Notre Dame. It, I can't really have the answer to that, Tyler, until we know who the coach is going to be. Um, I had, who was it? Dan Orlovsky. I, I like Dan, but sometimes it's like, dude, just, you know, he's like, they should go after Deion Sanders. And I'm like, guys, n- no, n- no. Can we Did let Dion actually like have a winning record at the FCS FBS level before we start like talking about him getting major jobs? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I still think Dion's going to do well, Ryan. We, you and Colorado is what we. As a matter of fact, Colorado's actually better than I thought they were going to be this a year. A little better, to be honest with better. you. Yep. And and uh, you know, so so the hype should never have been. Gee, they're going to be you know this this great team, uh, but can we just let him prove himself there? first before we start like giving him jobs that like like i'm cool with him getting a colorado job i I think what he did at jackson state earned that because colorado is a mess but texas a&m job let's let him win first i mean come on my my early names on all these lists that always pop up are always hysterical uh there was one list that came out that i just pulled up uh it's from a place um that i'm not gonna say the name out loud but it rhymes with with don don tree and um, they have Dan Lanning, Mike Elko, Mike Norvell, Caleb DeBoer, Lance Leopold, Jonathan Smith, Jed Fish, Jeff Trailer, Urban Meyer, Sharon Sharon Moore. Did they just Campbell, mention everyone? Like, so here's my thing, I mean, right? Uh, there, other like, than Nick look, Saban and Dabo Sweeney, who's not on that list, right? I mean, come I'm, on. I'm, I'm just looking at this list. I'm like, wh- why would Dan Lanning leave Oregon right now? Like that doesn't Oregon's make any a better sense job, than, job. Or- than, than Texas A&M. There's no, my favorite one, a better job. My favorite one is Dan Campbell, who is about to lead the Detroit lions to a playoff berth this year for the second straight right. year is going to leave the Detroit lions to go be the head coach at Texas A&M. Why? Because did he go to Texas A&M? I guess is that why this I, I is the conversation? There. Yeah, I guess. He there. But, but guys, like, come on now, <laughs> come on, so come on. ridiculous. Doesn't even so make ridiculous. sense. Doesn't even make sense. Well, I mean, let, let's. Uh, so, so I've seen Cliff Kingsbury on lists as well, which is just laughable. Sure. So let's go through these. Is Dan Lanning? I mean, the only thing that could make me think that Dan Lanning would take that job is maybe he wants to be back in the SEC, maybe, and he doesn't like the notion of being in an Oregon and playing in the big 10. I mean, I, I could kind of understand that if he doesn't like sure. that, that's the only justification. Oregon is a better program than Texas A&M. Oh, you talk about money. Oregon is not lacking for hurting for money. I was about, I was about to say they have, they have, they have some Nike yeah. money in there. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, so, so the only reason he would take that job is if he just doesn't want to be at Oregon. I mean, which I mean, possible. I wouldn't want to live in Oregon, you know, but that, but that I mean, but otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Lance Leopold, that actually would be a great hire in my opinion. Um, I, I just, in a lot of ways, they would, would never... stabilize it. But my question is, is I don't know that Lance Leopold has the ceiling that A&M fans want. In a I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think, I, I don't, I really don't think his personality fits A&M either. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't seem like an A&M kind of guy for me yeah. as a, as a coach. Sure. I mean, like, it makes a, a lot of sense, coach. right? Yeah. But like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. What are some other names on the Kalen DeBoer? Like, no, why, why again, yeah, why, 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 why would, would he leave up? Washington to go to Texas A&M? 
Hasn't what are some of the other a West Coast guy for, for aside for Indiana, right? Like, hasn't he always been a West Coast guy? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was at he was at uh, he, he was head coach at Sioux Falls, right? Yeah. He was uh, at Fresno State. I yeah. guess he spent a little bit of time in the Midwest, Southern Illinois, and Eastern Michigan, but he's never coached down there. He's from South Dakota, so sure. you know, I don't know why he would want to leave Washington. He's got a pretty good gig there at Washington Mike, Mike, for a Mike, Nor- Mike Norvell was one that was on again, wh- state. you know, why would he leave Florida state for Texas A&M? I mean, it literally just for money, I guess, but yeah. I don't, Mike Norvell doesn't strike me as a guy that is going to be driven by just that. You know, I mean, John Smith from Oregon state would be a great hire, but like, why would he go to? Well, he's know. actually one now that I understand Ryan, because he's at a school right now that, doesn't have a conference to play in i mean that's 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 the only reason i could consider that one like he if i'm morgan's if i'm him and and they pursue me i'd want to sit down my people at oregon state and be like what what's the plan here right like because right he could he could get demoted down to the group of five honestly if 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 they don't find a conference they there could basically be a we're in the pack two you know or they they merge with the mountain west somehow some way so yeah that's the only reason that one would make any sense to me. Jed fish, which I like what Jed fish is doing in Arizona, but like same thing about Dion though. Yeah. Like why? Right. Same thing with Dion. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, he's going to first. Yeah. I mean, he's going to take his team to a bowl game for the first time. Like that's a great job, but like now that could be the kind of move they end up, end up stuck with. Honestly, is a guy like Jed fish. Cause I, I, I think the thing that makes it hard at AM is they have they're like Auburn. They have a very unrealistic view of who they are. Mm-hmm. And who they are is you're basically always the number three team in the state. And people right. are gonna laugh when I say this, but here's the top three teams in the state of Texas. Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas AM. Mm-hmm. And then what I mean by that is Oklahoma's a not in Texas, but I'm talking about like from a recruiting standpoint. A&M's never going to be as good as Oklahoma. They never have been as good as Oklahoma because Oklahoma's like right on the border and they make a killing in the state of Texas. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those things, Ryan, where I just, I don't think Texas A&M is the job that people think that it is. And I could be wrong. And, 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 but every year we get into the same, this same kind of situation I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about real quick, Ryan. So to get from Denton, Denton, Texas, which is one of the best schools in the state, it's two hours to get to Norman. It's th- over three hours to get this college station. Sure. Right. So, I mean, it, it's, it's college station. Isn't exactly like, you know, in, in, in this great part of Texas, Right. Sure. And it's just, it's just not, it's not the job. I just, I don't know, man. I know there's a lot of money there, but it's just not the job that I, that I think it is and, or that people think it is. I'm, I'm, so it's, it's basically the same distance to get from Dallas to Norman as it is to College Station. So I, I don't think it's a, a huge, a great, great job. And, and it's, it's, we, it's like USC. I say this all the time and, and everybody laughs at me. And, and it's proven constantly. I don't think USC is the job that people think it is either. My right. I'm 45. My entire life. USC has had a hard time hiring a head football coach. And the only reason they got the one they got now is because he just wanted out of Oklahoma. Right. And that was a job that was open. He wanted out. 
like my whole life, they always fire a coach and they're going to hire some big name and the big names always turn them down. Well, Pete Carroll did a great job there. Yeah, he was like their fifth bet. There was like their guy they turned to after they've been turned down by like four or five guys already. You know what I mean? Like it's not a job that 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 is as attractive as people think for a million different reasons. And and to me, Texas A&M is one of those jobs. And and I, I know there's a lot of money in it, but there's a lot of money in a lot of these schools nowadays, you know, and yeah. um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a great job. A couple other guys on that list to end this conversation, Jeff trailer from UTSA. That one just would not be a sexy hire for the fan base. I don't think the fan no. base would be able to get behind that. Although he's done much. a heck of a job at UTSA. Oh, he's a really good coach. I mean, that's just a he big would jump, recruit. Man. He would recruit the state well. He runs an offense that's that's high octane and scores a lot, which I think A and M needs. But no, that they want to splash higher, whether the guy's a good coach or not. Like the fan base would probably love if they hired Deion Sanders, even though I think it'd be a big mistake. He's not ready yet for that kind of job. N- next name on the list was Mister Urban Meyer, which is always going to be on every one of these lists, and you know whoever knows, I guess. But yeah, I could see Sharon him taking Moore. that job. I could see him, and he probably would do a really good job there because it's what he does, man. But it, it would not be a uh, clean program. It would not as, end as, well. As, as not, it would yeah. not end well either. Sharon Moore again, I, just a little early, I think, a little bit. Dan Way Campbell talked about doesn't make any sense, and Dan Quinn, I guess, because he's the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, is the name on here. But I don't okay. know about that one either. But yeah, I mean, I, I like Dan Quinn. Uh, Dan Quinn is from my alma mater, actually, right? He's a Jersey guy. Did you, I'm sure you knew that. I did not know that. He's from Morristown. Yeah. But he, uh, he played college ball at Salisbury where I played. Hmm. So he was about seven, eight years in front of me played with one, with a couple of my coaches. So, but, uh, that just wouldn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. It would make no sense. I mean, he's, he's always, he's been an NFL. I mean, he hasn't been in college since 2000 when he was at Hofstra. Right. I mean, he's been an NFL guy since since 2001. Hofstra, and, which does not even have a football program. Anymore. All right. Which is so sad. And, uh, you know, he had a couple nice years with the Cowboys, but then, you know, two losing seasons in a row. And I mean, not the Cowboys, Falcons, excuse me. And then yeah. a couple of you know, bad seasons in a row and gets fired. So what would be like, there's just so many. This is why I've always said, guys, when you get these lists, these are not real lists. These are lists that media people throw out to get clicks. That's what these things are. They just look at names and try to, you know, do all that, and it ends up not working. So uh, these lists lists are laughable. And, you know, like the whole Sharon Moore thing, I think Sharon yeah. Moore deserves a head coaching job. I think he, Not deserves. I think he's earned a head coaching opportunity. Uh, his meltdown, you know, his emotional meltdown after the game a little bit was a little bit. Uh, oh, all right, there, man. There's, get, get, there, there's a question about that in this mailbag. Get, so get a hold there. of yourself. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, I mean, the job he's done as a coach and then keeping that team together on Saturday and some of the changes, the adjustments he made in game were like, wow, that was that was really good. But a guy like him only gets a head coaching job at a place like AM if it's a promotion from within, I think. I like Marcus Freeman if he was still at Cincinnati or if he was at some other school, Notre Dame doesn't hire Marcus Freeman as his head coach. If he's somewhere else, they don't go outside the program sure. to hire him as the head coach. You only do that when it's from within. So I if Harbaugh leaves. I think that's who replaces Harbaugh. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I think. Could I don't be. think, a, I think that would be a, a, a very big risk for A&M to make that kind of move. Very big risk. And here's a name that I haven't heard anybody mention that I'd be curious about. Bobby Petrino. 
and I thought about this, like it is the most Texas A&M move they could ever make, Ryan, right? Yeah. Because they want to have a big offense. He's coached in the SEC. He's won in the SEC. They don't care about ethics and morals at all. And they didn't name him the interim. You can't name him the interim, right? Because then you fire him. You know, I mean, it just I could see them doing something stupid like that. I'm not advocating for that at all. I could just yeah. see AM like missing out on their top three or four candidates and turning to Bobby Petrino, which would be flipping hilarious. Uh, by I'm the calling, way, I'm calling oh, yeah. it, man. It's gonna be Urban Meyer. He's gonna win a you know, few games for like four years, and then you're gonna be like, "Wow, where are all these sanctions coming from?" Who thought? Right. Who would have, everyone ever think having another episode? <laughs> my health, having another my health. random health episode for no for it's just coincidence how it always happens that way. Tyler with another question. He said, "I can't believe that Washington player dropped the ball at the two yard line." And who is that at safety in Florida State? That a safety in Florida State? LOL. How I think it's how is that not a, a, a safety? How is that not a safety? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So I, I was I was actually talking to Sean Davis when that play happened, and mm-hmm. as soon I, so Sean was like a couple seconds behind me in in the time of the game, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, wait till you see this!" And he's like pick six and i was like oh my god sean he dropped the ball it was like so obvious the minute it happened that he dropped the ball and i'm like dude wasn't even close to the end zone ryan when he dropped that ball like that was like that was a oh my that was so bad and then two teammates don't see it like the ball sitting right there at the one yard two he never even got it inside the one like that was close and you're just like what are you thinking and then the very next play, they get a safety. That was kind of hilarious. But, like, man, his yeah. D-line coach. Did you see the D-line coach's face? He was so pissed. He was hot. He yeah. was hot. But, yeah, that was a cult. That could – I mean, and think, it was a 33-28 game at that point in time, Ryan. Like, And even though they got yeah. the safety, Utah was always a touchdown away from tying that thing. That was a huge yeah. mistake, man. Huge mistake, which bad. is why you want to know why coaches say, hey, you know, why do you guys just – you know, you, you guys – you know, you coaches, man, you guys just need to let kids have fun. And just, you know, there's a reason we say act like you've been there before. Hand the ball to the referee. You know what I mean? Like. Stupid. And and, and that's why. It's stuff like that. Yeah. It's not that we don't want kids to have fun. It's that, that for the fun, there's always going to be some downside. 15-yard penalty. Some kid does something like that. You know, there's always something that could happen. It's just like, dude, act like you've been there before. Then go give the ball to the refs. Then go celebrate with your yeah. teammates. I wonder if – is Tyler referring in the second part to the Florida State play where it looked like Jordan How, Travis got that and To me, should have yeah. absolutely been a safety to me. I, I thought it was a safety by the eye, yeah. I, I don't – I mean, like, I, I was, like, trying to actually – like, they were trying to explain the rule and stuff on it. I'm just like, that looks like a safety to me. I don't know what the rule is, but, like, it's – If his like, whole body's in the end zone, of, I mean. <laughs> right. The ball – and it's not like the ball was outside. The ball was inside the white. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it just if the, if that's the rule, then the rule needs to be changed. Yes. So, yeah. That was weird. That was weird. Some yeah. weird plays this weekend, man. Some very weird plays. Yeah. Very, very weird. Very weird. It's going to, yeah, very weird. Luke Collins with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thanks for all the whole hard work throughout the year. The best is ahead of us. Go Irish. I agree. Man. I still believe that. I still believe yeah. that. I do. 
Ronnie with the super chat. Thank you, Ronnie. I would like to see a natty before I go home. Checked out the Gator Stadium this morning. Way happier here in Gainesville. I mean, I wouldn't want to trade places with anything having to do with the Florida Gator program right now in Notre Dame. Sorry. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. But yeah, Florida, I'd like Florida's I'd, a mess, man. Florida's a mess. <laughs> I would like to see them uh win a title before you do as well, buddy. Yep. Michael S. Super chat. In December, you had doubts about Hartman's chant change from mesh to pro style, saying his success was more a result of the system. What is your assessment now? Same. Yeah, I mean, he was in a, one system for five years, another one for one. I don't think the mesh is why Sam Hartman's not doing well right now. I think there's a lot of reasons related to him changing from one offense to the other, but this whole mesh thing gets made. There's way too much made of that. I way too much made of that. Hate when people call it the mesh offense. It's not yeah. an offense, guys. It's a technique. Mesh. The mesh is a mechanism off of handing the football off, play action, RPO stuff. It's just well, exactly what you call it. It's a mesh. That's yeah. all it is. It is not an offense. Yeah. Please, please stop saying it. Yeah. Did it make some bad habits for Sam Hartman that were hard to break in a year? Yes. Sure. Is it because he was in a different, because he was in this weird offense called the mesh? No, he wasn't in a weird offense called the mesh. This isn't a specific thing to an offense. It is just a mechanism within an offense. Please. And stop it's not why he's afraid to throw please. the ball down the field. It's not why he's struggling to make pre-snap reads. It's not why any. It's not why he is throwing a pick six against Clemson. It's not doesn't have anything to do with any of those things. Now, again, does does did the transition did it go as smooth as we'd hoped? Clearly not. There's no disputing that. But, but I think the, there's but a the lot of issues. Transition is that, from Warren Ruggiero's offense to Jared Parker's offense. That's it. It's not the mesh hmm. to the pro style. No, get out of here. I, no, I understand. I understand. No, I don't disagree. With I you. disagree. I disagree, Michael. All right, Ryan's fired up. I am, man. Um, I am. Look, it drives me crazy, Michael. Sorry. It's okay. Michael's got another one. Okay. Michael asked that Penn State let go their offensive coordinator for lack of offensive production in big games. Did their offensive coordinator do better or worse than Notre Dame's? Worse. Definitely worse. I mean, number one, statistically, they're worse when you look at the the type of competition they've played. You look at how Notre Dame has done in the quote unquote big games and Notre Dame has certainly not played well in the big games, but they've still played much better than what, what, what Michigan has done in their big games. I mean, no, Notre Dame's lowest yards per, per play this year, Ryan was 4.52. They've been above five every other game. Penn state this season has been below five, one, two, three, four, five, six times this year against Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, Ohio State, Indiana, and Michigan. Right? I mean, so so Notre Dame didn't play well. And and, and then in the big, the quote unquote non-big games, Notre Dame is still a better offense than Penn State. You, Penn State's averaging 378.4 yards per game this year against a schedule that's just okay. Notre Dame's at 418, but here's the difference. Penn State's at 5.1 yards per play. Notre Dame is at 6.8 yards per play this season. They've had one common opponent. Notre Dame was much better at moving the ball against them. Notre Dame's problem against Penn, against Ohio State was they couldn't finish off drives. I think, what did I have the other day? Notre Dame got into Ohio State territory on, what, five of their first six drives and came away with no points. That, that that's one that I think they had one touchdown at that through at that point in time. 
But Notre Dame moved the ball on Ohio State. They averaged 5.5 yards per play. That's two whole yards per play better than what Penn State did. Penn State was at 3.5. They went for 240 yards of offense. Notre Dame went for 351. And that was year, what, four in that offense? Three or four in that offense? This is Jared Parker's first year running the offense. So, yes, Jared Parker has done a better job than what Mike Ansick has done at Penn State. And you look at how much he had coming back this year. I mean, one of the best running back rooms in college football, solid receiving core. Not a great one, but it's it should be better than what it's been. They've got good players at tight end and a lot of linemen coming back from last year, including they also have an elite left tackle that, that could potentially be drafted ahead of Joe Alt this year. I, you know, according to Joel Clad, it's a no-brainer number one left tackle in college football at Penn State, according to Joel Clad, who disagree. also said that disagree. Oregon has a better defense than Notre Dame. I disagree with you as well, Ryan. I'm there's like I'm I'm maybe because I'm sick, the sarcasm's not coming out as well as it normally does. Uh, but yes, Penn State's offense should be much better than it is. Much better. Should it be an elite offense? No, I don't think it should be an elite offense. I don't think they're not good enough for a receiver to be an elite offense. And and um, yeah, still a young quarterback. You know, they they're asking him to do things he shouldn't be asked to do. Why? Because they can't run the football. That's the right. problem. And they should not be able to run the ball the way that they're not able to run the ball. Does that make sense? Like, did I say that correctly? In my head, it yeah. sounded like it makes sense. But. Uh, yeah, Jared, Jared Parker's offense this year was absolutely better than the one at Penn State. And 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 I don't know that there's really any metric that you could look at that could support that. I mean, when you're you're almost two yards per play better at Notre Dame this year than Penn State. And Notre Dame has played, I would argue, more top 40 defenses, about the same number. But part I still think the number of top 40 defenses in the Big Ten is inflated because there's so many crap offenses in the Big Ten. That's my opinion. Like, name me a yeah. team in the in the Big Ten right now that's got a great offense. That's going to change next year <laughs> when when USC, Oregon, and Washington and UCLA and those teams jump in. But right now, no, it's not. It's not good. Yeah, I, I hate. I hate the. Um, I really disliked the timing of that offensive coordinator firing, though, because I felt like that Agreed. was such a scapegoat for James Franklin. Yeah, also shrinking. Like, yeah, the offense was bad in that football game. Yursich deserves the criticism that he was going to have after that football game. But you know what else hurt that football game? There were some really bad decisions made by a head mm-hmm. coach in that football game and some bad time management stuff, too. I mean, like, mm-hmm. eh. yep. James Franklin shrinks in the big game, too, guys. It's not just the offensive coordinator yep. shrinking as well. So, And I'll go back to kind of the thing. In fairness, my issues with the offense, is that because that's what he wants to run? Or is that because of what head coach wants to run? You know, so... I mean, Penn State this year took a whole yard per play drop from where they were last year, Ryan. They're at 5.12 this year. They were at 6.19 last year. I mean, did did Parker Washington and Brenton Strange really make that big of a difference? Did Sean Clifford really make that big of a difference? That that's why it's such a that's why it's so weird with the Yursich stuff because I thought Yursich actually got kind of the most out of what he could get out of like Sean Clifford. <laughs> you know what I mean? And somehow I mean maybe it's just the young quarterback thing and uh I don't know. And the wide receivers not being as good as they have been over the last few years. I mean, maybe that's the reason, but yeah, the offense has been definitely underwhelming this year. There's no doubt. Yeah. I I think their receiving core should be better. I don't think they've done a good job with Dante Cephas. I don't think they've, you know, uh, their tight ends Cephas have been barely plays, productive. right? Cephas yeah, barely plays, he's he? yeah, he doesn't they don't target him a lot. I think those are yeah. bigger issues to me than than um 
you know, I mean, but now that's all part of the coordinator's job, right? I mean, and those are things sure. that, that, you know, we, when we talk about Jared Parker, things that we need to see more from him of is using your personnel better. And that that's part of the di- the deal. But I agree with you. It's a scapegoating job because how, how long has he been there? Um, seven years, six here. years, seven years, something like that. See his first year. I don't know if it's that long. 21 was his first year, right? So he, that he's, 20. he's been there. Oh, your sitch. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, think yours, no, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. His first two years, his first year, he, t- he took over an offense that was not very good. They're coming off the COVID year when they went four and five. And that first year in 2021, they had some ups and downs. Remember that? Some Sean Clifford got hurt and all that kind of stuff. They went seven and six. And then the next year, they went from 25 points a game to 35 points a game with some limitations of quarterback. But they were a consistent offense last year. You know, I mean, they were – they were 35 points a game, but it's because they were between like 35 to 40 most games, you know, 17 against Michigan. You know, offense did its part against Ohio State for the most, except for the pick six. But I mean, it was it was trending up his first couple of years, and then they just the kind of the the hole fell out this year. And to your point, Ryan, I, th- I think I think when you look at the recruiting they've done offensively, they've done good recruiting since he's been there. I I, I think you yeah. nailed it. it. This is well, I can't blame myself. I can't fire myself. So I gotta go fire somebody, and uh, to do it the way that he did it, right in the like right after the game, was such a to me it was it was cowardly, in my opinion. Well, it's cowardly. I also I also hate how he's been like t- kind of to the media in, in the clips that we've seen of him recently is too. I mean, like guys, like I think that there's like self self realization that James Franklin needs to have. Like I mean, from my vantage point, James Franklin, great recruiter, seems like the players really like him a lot, but. I mean, in game, I just see him melt in the biggest moments in the football game. And it's not always like preparation either. Like there's a lot of games where they're in it, but then a bad decision during the game completely just drains the momentum from anything they have like that. Them going for two on that first touchdown was like, what are you doing, man? Like, why? Why was that your decision? And the worst was someone asked them about that after the game and he was trying to explain it. And and it was not a good explanation. A media member was literally like, I don't think he answered the question, coach. He's like, I answered yeah. your question, blah, 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 blah. He's like, I don't think you did. <laughs> like, right. And then the media, Ray, the so media person starts like, hey, you know, stop it. You know, it's like, yeah, you didn't answer the question. And and like, here's the thing. Like in a game like that, every point matters. You don't go chasing points in the second quarter because now you're stuck doing it the rest of the game. And then well, he did it again. That was the worst part is that his rebuttal to it was every point matters. And I'm like, so why were right. you chasing points in the first half? That doesn't make right. any sense. I, and I don't then, get it. Didn't they go for it. two again later? And he well, did it. He went for two again. Well, they kind of had like, to at that point because they had to cut it to a one score game. But it's like you didn't have to go no, for no, no, two no, at no, that no. point. What you I'm were just taking is, the extra point. That's, yeah. But that's my point, though. You had to now you yeah. start doing it. Now you're in this situation where you've got to keep doing it. Because what was the score at that point in time? 24 to 15? Some, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. So now you're, but see, here's the thing is like, even then you could have made a case, kick the extra point because you only have two, so many, here's the problem. You only have so many two point plays in your arsenal. You can only practice so many two point plays. You already used one of them. You use another one there. Right. And then if it, you know, now you're in situations where you start, Hey, now we've got to just keep using them. And now when you get to overtime, let's say you do tie it up you get to overtime, you're now out. Take the flipping points. In a game like right. that against against that defense, take the flipping points because if you hold them to a field goal, which they ended up doing, now you're still a touchdown away from tying it, and you just with the extra point, yeah. and and you just get yourself. It's like when Brian Kelly did that against Clemson, 
back in yep. 2015. Same thing. What do you, what are you chasing points this early for? There's no need for it. I, I, I feel really like disappointed for Penn state fans a little bit too, Brian, because they have a lot of talent. I mean, on paper, they are much more talented than Michigan. Why did Michigan win on Saturday? They were out coached. They were out coached and they were out coached without having their head coach on the sideline too. Like they got out coached, man. That's the separator between those great football games. When you're a very good, when you're a very talented team facing another talented team, separation is the coaching. And I know some people are going to say, like, you know, Penn State's in a good spot. They just have a lot of talent. No, they're not. Because you have a cap with your head coach right now. I don't think he's going to be able to take you over the top. Are you still going to get a lot of talent in the building? For sure you are because he's a really good recruiter. But at some point, it's going to be, you're going to hit that little lull where you're like, huh, yeah, we're winning 10 games every year. But, like, are we competing for championships? Are we actually getting any better? Or are we just staying the same? This feels very and I'm not necessarily comparing them like Brian Kelly had a better resume than James Franklin at this point in his career. Right. As far as how many games he's coached and stuff, but like, it feels very Brian Kelly ish to me as far as like the team's never going to be bad, but are they going to be great either? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer to that no. right now. This so. is who Penn state is under James Franklin. Yep. This is and who they, they could, are. but they could be more. I think they could be no more. doubt. Really? No doubt. More. Just look at the talent. I mean, you mentioned urban Meyer earlier, just, Yep. Let's pretend for a second he's not a giant D-bag. Sure. You look at it, the, what you give him a roster like that. You oh, give yeah, Kirby win. Smart yeah. a roster like that. They you win. give they're gonna win more games. You give Jim Harbaugh that roster. I mean, I'm sorry, Ryan. I know that everybody says, like, oh, you know, Michigan's got 37 draft picks playing for them right now. It's just the absurd numbers. It's like 15, 19, what 20 plus, whatever. And I'm like, I sure, I guess there's a lot of good players there, but like I see more elite athletes at Penn State oh, easy. than I do at there's, Michigan. There's a lot more high level NFL players yes. at Penn State than there are in yes. Michigan. Michigan's just got a bunch of day three potential draft right. picks, you know, like right. depth. They have depth. So, yeah. And to me, that's development. That's where Penn State should be. They should have those guys with. The elite guys. Penn State's never had a problem bringing in talent. Never. No. It's never been an issue. They've always been held back by coaching, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, I because I look at that roster and I'm like, you have a probably future first to second round draft pick at running back in Nick Singleton. You have a left tackle who's going to go in the top 10 picks in this year's draft. You have a corner in Kalen King who's going to go in the first round. You have a future stud in Abdul Carter. You have two defensive ends in Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac that are going to go in probably in the top two rounds in this year's NFL draft as well. There's talent everywhere. Theo Johnson's yeah. going to play in the NFL. Tyler Warren's going to play in the NFL. And yet, you can't beat Michigan, who, again, is very well coached, but they didn't have their head coach. And you're more talented than them. Yeah. And you lost the game because of right. coaching blunders. That's what the right. main difference in that football With game. their quarterback, because you could argue, well, you know, Michigan's better quarterback right now. I don't think that's arguable. You know, I mean, one sure. kid's in year sure. three, one kid's in year two, one kid's a better player, whatever. He's, but kid threw eight passes. The other kid threw eight passes. In the second half. You, Zero you in lost the to half. a team that <laughs> threw eight passes. A non-triple yep. option team. Yes. It was um, – it was an embarrassing performance, to be honest with you. And and it's exactly what happened against Ohio State. I thought this yep. game was even more competitive than the Ohio State game. Like, everybody kept talking about how that – I never felt that – like, I felt there were times in this game that if Penn State can make a play here, they can win this football game. 
I never felt that against Ohio State. Ever felt that against Ohio State. But for this game to happen at home too, man, that 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 makes it worse. I mean, Agreed. there's just nothing good that can be spun out of this game for Penn yep. State. And then for him to do this after the game looks like a a panic move, a coward move, a I got to take the heat off somebody. I got to, you know, I got to have an out and I'm getting hammered for the first time really in my career and I got to blame somebody else. You, you know what James Franklin needs to be, Brian? You know what he would be great at? A director of recruiting like Chad yeah. Bowden. He'd be fantastic, man. He'd be or, fantastic. Or if he was really smart, if James Franklin wanted to win as a head coach, he to me, you've got to go out and you've got to get like a, a, a Manny Diaz is a nice coordinator. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's a nice solid. coordinator. Um, he's not great. But you need to go out and get a Jim Knowles on defense, that kind of guy, like a guy that can just run the defense. And you need to do the same thing on offense. That's why it's not a surprise that the two best teams he ever had were with Joe Moorhead running the offense. Because Joe Moorhead was going to do what Joe Moorhead wanted to do, whether James Franklin wanted him to do it or not. You know what I mean? And then he's going to get in your way with some fourth down conversion calls. But yeah. it's not a coincidence that, that, that you know, th- th- those were their best seasons. And – to me, he if he just is like, look, I'm the I'm the I'm the driver of the recruiting operation, uh, yeah. but I'm going to go out and hire coaches to kind of run the day to day, and I'm going to be the motivator and all that kind of stuff. Perfect, perfect. Sure. Go be that. Sure. Go be that because that's what you're really good at, and he is really good at that. He's a very good recruiter. He's a, He's really a very good, good motivator. Recruiter. His players yeah. love him. Right? There's something to be said about that. He's just. He's just not a great football guy when it comes to making decisions. He's just not. And that's okay. Yeah. There's a lot of guys like that. But um, as long as he as long as he's unwilling to do that, then we're going to continue to see these issues manifested at Penn State. There's no doubt. Agreed. Agreed. Good questions. We did, yep. We had a question from Aiden Benami. Thank you so much. And this is super chat as well. Thank you double for that. Who do you guys think has made the most improvement strides this year from fall camp till now? Anyone you didn't expect last week was boring. Glad Irish breakdown is back. I mean, honestly, Ryan, I don't really feel great about really a lot of guys making strides from fall camp to now. Like last year, there were some guys that I thought emerged late in the year. And, and this year, I don't know that I don't know that we've really seen that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, some of the guys you Jadarian Price, but that was a kick return and a couple runs, but he, he went went for scored a touchdown on the first time he touched the ball in his career against Navy. I mean, yeah. the receivers have regressed. I mean, Jaden Greathouse was better in September than he is now. Rico Flores has regressed because you're asking more of him than you should. Um I mean, Holden Stace's best game was by far was in September. I I don't know that I can look. The offensive line's worse now than it was in September. Sam Hartman's regressed. Defensive line has just been kind of doing this all year. I mean, I don't know that anybody's like progressed. They've just been pretty good all year. Linebacker, same thing. Corner, same thing. Oh, I mean, if if one guy is to me Watts. has made the most strides in season, it's Xavier Watts. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he was good early, Ryan, but he was still kind of out of position at times and just yeah. not quite finishing off plays and missing tackles. And even going back to the Ohio State game, early. 
you know, like, the, like, yeah, like the Ohio State game, the Xavier Watts we see now probably makes that tackle on Travion Henderson, in my opinion. Sure. I, yeah. I think, even with all the other stuff that happened, uh, that's probably the one guy that I would say has gotten better. Uh, but that's, I don't know, in defensively, in fairness of this isn't a criticism, I don't know how much better Jack Kaiser and, and Rico, I mean, uh, JD Bertrand and Maris Leofow and Cam Hart and DJ Brown and, and, you know, Riley Mills and Howard Cross and Javante Jean-Baptiste and all those guys. Like, I don't know how much better they can get in season because they're veterans. It's like, hey, it's get them ready to play and, and, and play ball. You just want to make sure they don't take step back, steps back during the season. And when you look at a guy like, you know, Xavier Watts, even though he's a senior, he's still kind of new to the safety position. And so there was still room for him to get better and, and improve and grow. And he did. So that's about the only guy, and and it's kind of sad and depressing. Oh, here's one, Spencer Schrader. If I had to point to one guy, it'd be Spencer Schrader because he was pretty bad, pretty bad first four or five games of the year. He's been pretty money as a field goal kicker since then. So that would be one. If I had to pick someone else besides Xavier Watts, that would be one that I would go with. Got another one from Iden Banami. He says, Brian, can you explain what makes Billy Shrouth a better fit at guard? Uh, what attributes is Zeke uh, backup center healthy now? Okay, so Zeke backup center. Uh, Zeke's dealing with concussion protocol right now. And so the backup center is Ashton Craig. And Ashton Craig is healthy and right now is slated to start if Zeke can't go. As far as what makes Billy Shrouth a better fit at guard, and, and you're referring to over another player, as a because I wasn't sure if you were asking, is he a better fit at guard or is he a better fit at center, or is he a better fit at, at, at over certain certain players? It's just he's he's the most talented kid they have inside. Unless they move Charles Jagason inside to guard, he's the most talented guy you have. He's powerful, he's athletic, he's got length, he plays with good pad level. He's still technically still a work in progress, but he's got all the God-given skills you want. He can move in space. He can get up to the second level. You know, he he is he is the best combination of size, power, and athleticism that they have at guard, unless they move Charles Jagasaw there. It's no question. Now, we see in games, you know, he he's still learning the position in some ways, and, and we've seen him a couple times. You know, he, he'll stop his feet and get knocked back, or a guy will get under his pads and kind of drive him back, and but then you'll see plays where he'll just bully somebody. And you're like, oh, okay, boy, yeah, that's that's good to see right there. That's really good to see. Because he's um he's a very talented player. And for me, that's what makes him a better fit there. Irish Gordy not who is the best fit for head coach at Texas AM in your opinion? We've had a couple people ask this question. And you know, I the the problem is I don't know that the best fit is going to be the 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 kind of sexy picks that they would want. I mean I think Mike Elko makes some sense. You know Mike Elko has done a nice job there. If I was if I was Notre Dame, I'd want to see a little more from Mike Elko as a head coach. Uh, I'm not I said Michigan. Excuse me. If I was Michigan and and I'd want to see maybe a little more. But like if you're Notre Dame, if you're Texas A&M, you've seen him in person. You've seen what he can do. You know the character firsthand. 
then his lack of experience as a head coach isn't going to bother you as much. And then you look at what he's done at Duke compared to what they did before. Like if they go, what are they five and six and five right now? Let me go look at Duke's schedule. I think they're a week ahead. Let me let me go see what their record is now. They are six and four. They've got Virginia on the road and Pitt at home. If they win one of those two games, they go seven and five. That's going to be like considered a disappointment for this season. Seven and five. Think about that. Seven and five at Duke is going to be considered a bit of a disappointment when you consider how good they were early and they've had the injuries and they won they won um nine games last year. That's going to be a bit of a you know, bit of a disappointment with everything they had coming back. I'm not going to be on be on, I'm not going to I have no problem saying that, right? A lot of it's about injuries and stuff like that. But think about this. In the three years before he arrived, they won 10 games total, 10 games. They were 10 and 25. And he's going to take them to a bowl game in each of his first two years. Uh, he's a heck of a quarter. He's a heck of a coach, in my opinion. Now, AM job, if he wants it, I think that would make a lot of sense. He knows how to recruit there. He knows the expectations there. He's not taking that job with any sort of blind you know, this to the understanding of, of what the expectations are going to be. And it, it just, it would be to me as a pretty smooth transition for him to make that move. He wouldn't, I mean, he'd know a chunk of the roster, at least a third of the roster he would know. So that one would make a lot of sense to me. Other than that, uh, you know, some, to me, some of the fit, best fits are not going to be guys that they want to, that they want to go after in my opinion. I mean, there's, there's some really good football coaches. Willie Fritz at, at Tulane, to me, would absolutely be a guy that I think could could have some success there. I mean, you look at the job he's done at Tulane, and and um, I mean he he's done a heck of a job. He was the he's he's a he's a guy from Kansas. He's coached in the state of Texas in high school. He's coached at high schools in Texas. He's he coached at Sam Houston State for a couple of years back in the day. He was then the head football coach of Sam Houston uh, for four years in the state. Uh, won a won a national champ or went to the national championship game uh, two years in a row at Sam Houston State in eleven and twelve. So he's a Southern guy. He's coached in the South. He recruits the state of Texas. So he's a guy that I would look at. That I'm not hearing anybody's name mentioned. Right? I was taught. I don't know. Uh, I was looking at some stats, so I didn't know when you jump back in. But about the fit, I said the problem is some of the guys I think would be great fits aren't going to be the sexy hires that the boosters want. And I was talking about Willie Fritz. He's been a head coach at Sam Houston State in the state. He's a heck of a football coach. They're going to play good defense. They're going to run the football. They're going to be disciplined. And he knows how to recruit the South. You know, Jeff Trailer is another one, Ryan, that you mentioned earlier. Guy's a heck of a football coach. He's he's a Texas guy. You know, he, he's doing a great job at a school that had zero expectations before he got there. The problem sure. is it's not a sexy hire. You know, it's, it's just not. it's not a needle moving hire from the from the money standpoint, the perception standpoint. But the reality is if Texas A&M was smart, those are the guys, in my opinion, that they would look at, but they're probably going to look, they're going to probably shoot for the moon and, you know, try to get these big name guys. And and, and my whole thing is, yeah, I mean, but like, to me that that's, he's not going to win you a title. And, you know, he doesn't carry the same weight he had before, especially with the stuff that happened in Jacksonville. And, um, you know, I, they're, but that's the kind of hire they're going to make though, or they're going to look to make though, Ryan, even though I, I personally think there's some much better, like just really good football coaches out there that they can make a run at like Lance Leopold. There's no way in heck that they make a run at Lance Leopold, but I'm like, that guy won at Kansas. 
You know what I mean? Now, I don't know the fit in Texas and all that. I mean, those are fair things to, to look into, but I don't know, Ryan. I just, I, I don't think the best coaches that they're going to look at are guys that, that, that are the, the guys that would do the best job are going to be the guys that they're going to look at. That that's my, yeah, that's my concern. I think I- I, I like the uh, the I like the idea of Mike Elko at Texas back at Texas A and M. I did that first. Right? I talked yeah. about him at first. Yeah. yeah, how that that's right. that's the only of the big names that makes a lot of sense because right. of his experience there and and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think after having the debacle that has been Jimbo Fisher and honestly just the conversations that you hear about Jimbo Fisher away from football as far as who he is personally, I think Mike Elko makes a lot of sense. I mean, one, he's a Young, very good coach who's got a great background as a as a coordinator, but he's also developing as a very good off, uh, head coach before our eyes, in my opinion. I think he's developed players very well throughout his entirety of his career, and he's a good person, right? And I think you need good people associated with that program right now because I think there's just kind of a assumption that it's kind of a slimy job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's going to be to a slimy person probably, and mm-hmm. that's why – Again, if you ask me to predict, I'm actually going to predict Urban Meyer. It was kind of a joke to start out with, but like. But now you've convinced yourself of it. Yeah. That's, I mean, would it be shocking at all if Texas A&M's like, you know what? We're all in on Urban, baby. We're all in. I mean. Well, I could see them maybe getting turned down by their first couple candidates and they panic move and go to Urban, like throw a crap load of money to Urban. Right. But because here's the thing about Urban, you don't have to buy him out. There's no buyout with Urban Meyer. Like, I don't think Fox is going to have a, I mean, I guarantee you Urban's got something in his contract of Fox that says, if I get a coaching job, you know what I mean? Like I can go back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code balance10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.